Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Dubai Stars, Rise to the Top. Today I have a very big guest in the country, in UAE and in the world. My guest is the Vice President of the International Real Estate Federation, having more than 1.5 million members. I am here today with Dr. Mahmoud Al-Burad. Thank you so much, uh, dear Anthony, for having me tonight, today. Uh, very glad to be part of this show. And I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. It's a pleasure for us having you in here. I know how tough it was to take a <laughs> few hours of your time. And uh, Dr. Mahmoud, I'm going to start with the first question, which is, tell us why Dubai, why you came to Dubai from the beginning. That's a very good <laughs> question to start with. Um, well, just to make it brief, because it's a long, long story. It's, to make it short, the story started in 2001. Uh, I was born in a refugee camp in Gaza. And lucky enough, I put so much effort and I was actually the, I got the highest rank among my peers in high school. 99.7% wow. in the country. <laughs> and then uh, I was uh, looking for a scholarship and being in a refugee camp, it's not easy to get uh, education and to get support and uh, uh, an opportunity to do your bachelor. So uh, we send a fax, I love fax machine by the way, send fax to Red Crescent in Abu Dhabi saying that this is me, Mahmoud Al-Baray, I'm the highest in my country, but I don't have any opportunity to do my bachelor degree in the university. And then I received a call from the American University in Dubai. I didn't, I didn't know what happened behind me in the uh, uh, background. I had a call from the vice president of the American University in Dubai saying, are you Mahmoud Al-Baray? I said yes, and with a Lebanese accent that I'm used to. Said so maybe someone is joking with me. A call from Dubai, AUD. This is to inform me that His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid, at that time he was the Crown Prince of Dubai, has ordered us to grant you a scholarship. Can you come to Dubai? Said, are you joking? He said, no, I'm here. Can you come? He said, yes. And listen, within a few hours, he sent me a visa and first time to be an airplane, first time to Dubai. And first time to uh, to this great place. How old were you? I was 18 years old. Had no idea what it means to be in Dubai. Uh, so from a refugee camp to a city that's the dream of everyone to live in. And then His Highness was generous enough to support me financially, support me in my education. Uh, came to AUD, American University in Dubai with zero English. You know, being educated in an Arab country, usually they focus on grammar. He is you, <laughs> nothing more. So I had to fight to, uh, to learn more, uh, to learn English and to educate myself. And I do remember 2001 when I came here to Dubai first time. Uh, not so many skyscrapers, but the city was great. I mean, being built. Uh, and then Bill Clinton came and gave a talk in the American University in Dubai at that time. And I said that to myself, I want to be the valedictorian who goes and speak in front of his highness and thank him from in front of everyone for all the support he gave me. With zero English, 
I mean, how do you have such a dreams? You have to strengthen your English. You have to study hard. You have to keep straight A's so you become the valedictorian, so you get the graduation speech. And three years before my graduation, I wrote my graduation speech. Although it wasn't confirmed, you never know. You may not get straight A's. You may not be the valedictorian, but I said, I'm going to be the valedictorian. I'm going to give the graduation speech. So it happened actually, 2006, I was named the, the valedictorian, the highest in the American University in Dubai. And I, before I gave my speech, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed shaking hands with me, he said, Mahmoud, I want you to work for me. <laughs> this is the same day. So imagine someone <laughs> taking you from nowhere to be educated in one of the best universities in the region. And then the same day of graduation, he gave you a job opportunity with the ruler of Dubai. And then I said, of course, Your Highness, it's great honor. I will be very delighted to be part of your team. And then I gave the graduation speech. And I do remember they gave me five minutes to speak. And I was interrupted by audience several times. The speech took me 15 minutes. And everyone was in tears because I shared with them the story. I told them, I want to share with you today a story of someone who was no one. And I mean, if you look at it, Anthony, you're one of 60 million refugees. So if you do the division one over 60 million, this is almost zero. But how you fight to become significant, how you don't get... And this is the message I always say, the message of hope. I'm a product of Dubai, a product of His Highness. Uh, so His Highness uh, gave me an opportunity to work in Dubai Holding and then in Real Estate Regulatory Agency, then a CEO of Real Estate Institute. Then he said, I don't want you just to be a bachelor degree holder. I want you to continue and never stop. And he repeated it three times. He sent me to Singapore to do my master's in real estate. Came back to Dubai. He said, no, this is not enough. So what I did is, because I wanted to stay here in Dubai instead of traveling and so on, so I did three more masters. So a master in finance, a master in cities, a master in uh, research, a doctorate in real estate. And this is all support of Hassan Sheikh Mohammed. So it's what brought me to Dubai. I think it's Hassan uh, Sheikh Mohammed and Godwell. I think it's Godwell that I get this opportunity, Godwell that I get this uh, great support from His Highness. I'm speechless, like, I'm just <laughs> smiling and I'm trying to comprehend all of this and on top of those I think it's your, you wanted to take something big of your life. It's like the persistency, trying, having nothing to lose, coming from Gaza, it's not like you have many chances of making it in life, but uh, God's grace, here you go, you are today here, you are everywhere in the world, like no matter how we open social media or or any website, we see you over there, and this is amazing, and this is all what this podcast is about, inspiring people that no matter where you come from, what you do in life, as long as you have the mindset and you're persistent, eventually you will make it. So I don't think there's no better example than yourself <laughs> telling this beautiful story. Emma, thank you so much. Actually, even your story, Anthony, is amazing. I mean, this is a country of opportunities, and this is a country of tolerance, and this is a country of happiness, this is a country of smart, this is a country 
we have 250 nationalities more than the United Nations, but the good thing everyone works in harmony. We respect the laws, regulation. We have a visionary leadership. Hassan Sheikh Mohammed always thinks big. You, whenever he meets with me, he says, I wanted to be number one. I wanted to continue to be number one. And he always says in his book and, and so many uh, meetings with him that no one knows who's the second person on moon. No one knows who's the second person on that. That's why we have the tallest tower, Burj Khalifa. That's why we're thinking bigger and bigger all the time. So uh, we are in a country that if you give it, you will take it from it. If you spend time and efforts, you can start from zero. Your race, your religion, your color does not matter. Sure. The only thing that matters, you're a hardworking person and you are a tolerant person. Then this is your place. You can do a great job. The message that a lot of people in this part of the world, in the region, we are in a region that has 20% unemployment, a region that is hopeless, a region that has so many issues and wars and stuff. So the project that people miss is hope. So we need to be in a place where we give them hope. We give them that hope that their dreams can come true. If they, if they put more efforts, if they believe in themselves, if they're determined. So and this is the message. This is the UAE is all about the message of giving hope, giving opportunities. And it forces you up, it shapes your mind. Like, uh, as you said, I also came from very humble starts. And, uh, you know, being a Lebanese, I don't know why we have this something. It's like they always teach us that we are in the best country in the world and we are the best people on the planet. And I'm sure you know about that. So when I came to Dubai, uh, I felt so small. I'm like, I'm nothing. And seeing these massive towers, these businesses. So it, it helped me get out of my old mindset, which was not leading me to a successful place and telling me, okay, now you're zero. You're, not, you're even below zero, but you can make it. I was looking at people. I was seeing examples. People telling me their stories, how they came here without anything, no resources, no money. And after years of working hard, working smart, having ethics, following the ethics, reaching somewhere big. So we have to give it all this to Dubai and to the UAE as well of shaping people, changing the mindset. And this is the story of the country. And Anthony, if you look at Dubai Airport 1965 pictures with two airplanes, rented from Pakistan Airlines with a watchman who comes 7.30 a.m. closed the airport at 2 p.m. to 200 now destinations to a country that has the busiest airport a place that's receiving all kind of nationalities, 215 nationalities with all kind of religions exist. So we're not, uh, we're a cosmopolitan, we are a United Nations in one place and the good thing is the government is part of your success. I mean, we see a lot of people who are not from this country, but the government give all support for you to succeed in business, in education, anything. So we are lucky, as you said, and uh, with luck also we, we've done hard work. We have a lot of people who came here but did not take advantage of the opportunity. So speaking of the airport, I remember I was reading the book of Sheikh Mohammed a few months back and he was saying like uh, 
the first time he went to London Heathrow maybe and he saw the airport he said to himself I want Dubai airport to be like that and this is like one of the most busiest airport in the world and eventually we reach it now we have like everything is Dubai now we're seeing Dubai eye coming which is the biggest eye in the world we're seeing everything happening and I think this is only the beginning of what's planned for Dubai so can you tell us more about the vision of Dubai when it comes to everything, business, economics, real estate. Uh... Great question. His Highness Mohammed was asked 10 years ago, how much you've achieved from your vision? And he said 10%. And then a couple of years later, he was asked the same question by the same journalist, and he said 6%. And this may tell you that Dubai's vision is dynamic, and His Highness always thinks bigger. And not only His Highness, the whole team of leadership actually, because his highness believes in a lion that has lions, yeah. not a lion that has followers. No, lion with lions. So uh, it's not about real estate, believe me. It's not about buildings. People always think of Dubai as buildings. No, it's about the quality of life, the lifestyle. It's about giving people a hub to live, to work, to entertain, the dream to be the smartest city on earth. A dream of being the happiest city on earth. If you see, His Highness has been putting so much focus on how we redesign our city to make it happier, most tolerant, most uh, cosmopolitan. Uh, so the vision is we want to take this economy to the next level of creative knowledge and knowledge economy. And that's why we're investing in uh, infrastructure. We want to be SME hub. We want the cost of failure to be zero we want people to come and try and try and fail and try and wake up and never give up so this city is the dream is not real estate and buildings this is an enabler but the bigger thing is we want to give a quality of life we've been talking so much about talented people and young and now the city recently inviting all people retirees above 55 there is a space come retire in dubai so at the end of the day, we're focusing on economic sustainability of the city. We will continue to grow, uh, building on the knowledge economy and creative economy. We want also the social sustainability. We want people from two, 215 nationalities to live together, different religion, different uh, cultures, and also environmental sustainability. We want the city to be green, to be healthy. So, um, I mean, like, I'm sure you have achieved it by the end of the day. I'm seeing it's been six months, multiple influencers from France moving to Dubai. They all have a story that they had some issue robberies back home. Uh, we're seeing uh, everyone who's really interested of having uh, a life which is safe, living safely. Dubai is the place. End of the day, if you're calling, uh, if you're comparing Dubai to the major cities in the world, the cost of living in here. It's not expensive. It's one of the safest city in the world. I think we ranked uh, second after Finland or Denmark. Uh, when it comes to working in Dubai, there is no corporate tax. Actually, there is no tax at all. Like all that you make is fully yours. So we have achieved this one, and now uh, mainly people are being open to come to Dubai. Like no matter who you are, if you come visit the city once, 
you will say, wow, I want to be in here. Let me start. How to get a property, how to rent a place, how to do... So people like to move themselves. And also we mentioned, the, we forget to mention something very important, which is the high education level they are getting in the city. So once you graduate from here, your work is guaranteed, whether you want to work in the UAE or living abroad. Exactly. I mean, all these components together constitute what we call a smart uh, city that Dubai wants to be. So health, education, affordability of the city. And this is really important. The good thing about Dubai is we provide a quality of life. We've done a great job in COVID-19 in terms of well, one of the safest and one of the best health systems worldwide. Uh, we also provide affordable living. And by that, we mean affordable housing, affordable education, affordable retail, affordable even hospitality. So the city is uh, has all the ingredients to make a great future city, but at the same time, it's a youth city. City has youth, city that does not sleep, city now people are locking down their economies, we open our economy 100% packed to offices, the malls are full, the life is packed, we're managing our economy, our airports are open, our hotels above 80% occupancy. So maybe something about the DNA of Dubai is the resilience. And we call ourselves, we are anti-fragile. Whatever pressure we are under, we always emerge stronger. 2008, I remember people were saying, well, this is a bubble, Dubai will burst, this is the end of Dubai. I remember at that time, His Highness met the government officials and and it was one of them at, uh, in his palace and he said, we were thinking that His Highness will talk about crisis or about what's going on in the Arab region and stuff. He said, I brought you here to tell you that each one of you has to give me three innovative ideas. You have three months. Change or you will be changed. So he was, he, he forced you to think out of the box. And this is the fuel of the people think that we are about oil. Actually, oil is 0% of Dubai's GDP almost. True, there's nothing. Our oil is our mind, our thinking, our trade, our infrastructure, leadership of Dubai since ages. Leadership, Sheikh Mohammed before Sheikh Maktoum, Sheikh Rashid, and his father, Sheikh Saeed. They, went, they thought of, of uh, opening up the economy zero taxation, people will come. Whatever come, comes from oil at that time, we'll spend in infrastructure. We have one of the best infrastructure that attract talents, that attract SMEs, that attract businesses. Imagine whenever we go in international events and people know that you're coming from Dubai and you see the excitement. You see people that they want to do business with Dubai. You want people to be part of success of Dubai. So the domino effect of that, that you're successful, I'm successful, he's successful, surrounded by successful people, and everyone is feeding into the other success, and we become all successful nation, happy nation, a smart nation. What's nice in here that we all praise each other, like we get influence from each other, it's like, oh, if this guy can make it, why don't I make it? And that's true. I want to ask you, who was the uh, biggest influence in your life? See, let me tell you the history, little bit of history. 1997, my mom died on 27th of March. God rest her soul. 
So just on the day of she was dying, I was in school. They brought me to the hospital to say goodbye to her. And she was telling me in her last minutes, Mahmoud, when I die, I want you to go to school. I don't want you to attend my funeral. And she died on the same day. And I went to school. And from that time, I said, I want to make her proud. I know she can see me. She can see what I'm doing. She will be proud of me. And this is why from day one, I said education is the way. My mom, dying well, invested in education. And my dad was my teacher in grade one, who taught me ABC, Alifba in Arabic, and the support that I got from him. And when I came to Dubai, of course, as I'm Sheikh Mohammed, I mean, the positive energy, the support, also Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, the crown prince, whenever he sees me, are you still number one? So this culture of love, this culture of support, you have no choice but to excel. And you have no choice but to make them proud of you. And this is why every day I don't sleep till I think, what can I do for Dubai? What can I do for UAE? They've been so generous with me. And I wake up with a plan. This is what I want to be. So people that I met in my life here in Dubai, from all nationalities inspired me, gave me a lot of success keys. So I don't want to let anyone down. And this is what keeps me thinking all the time. And I'm sure, uh, Anthony, you something uh, similar. I mean, you always have plans. I want to do something big. I want to make this country bigger. You want your success and their success to be overlapping. Of course, which I always say, like, I owe everything to the city. Like, end of the day, uh, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't know my true potential. And now, since I know my potential, I think I can do way better than that. And I want to do more and more and more. It's not about, like, uh, it's like the greed of having it. No, it's about, like, uh, challenging myself, like, how far can I reach? And I'd like to know from you, Dr. Mahmoud, what is your future plans like? <laughs> oh, I wish you can tell me. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult question, to tell you the truth. When you are 37 years, I turned 37 yesterday, and you look back and you've seen the, I don't want to say accomplishment, you see that the job's done. So I was always dreaming to be an international uh, policy changer in real estate. So I've been part of so many international bodies, including the UN, the World Bank, the World Economic Forum, uh, International Real Estate Federation, and so on. So my story is now beyond the UAE. The only thing that I haven't done is doing my own business, which I haven't done. And this is actually, I really want to do something, uh, not because I'm not driven by money. I never thought about money, to tell you the truth. I've been working in the government for a long time. <laughs> and my last thing I think about is, is money. But I want to do business because I want to give back to communities, to where I come from, to here, to people who are in need. That's why I started my own NGO to support uh, refugees, to support people in need. So uh, building a business may support me in becoming even more effective in donating to international causes to support 
young people who are in my place. I got an opportunity, but many others did not. So I always think of how can I be a great global citizen? This is my dream. I want to give back uh, to uh, beyond my area of influence or beyond where I come from. I want to be uh, someone who really, I mean, how long will we live in this uh, world? No one knows. If we don't leave our fingerprints, we will be forgotten. So this is our chance to think of how we become great global citizens. So that's your legacy. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, Dr. Mahmoud, uh, I'm asking personal questions. I know. That's how I, I like it. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that you were answering it all. I'd like to know uh, what was a regret in your life? Something happened that you said later on, I wish I didn't do it, or I wish I did it differently. I regret when I was at the AUD, American University in Dubai 2001, and I was seeing Marina was being built at the JPR. And I had a couple of friends who said, Mahmoud, let's buy two beds. I think at that time was 200,000 dirham. And I had money that time. It was actually thanks to this I was getting a monthly salary. But I was spending it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so a couple of years later, this 200,000 became 1 million and 1.5 million. So I was not uh, an early investor in the buy real estate market. I was uh, in policy making. I was busy in traveling and educating people, but I did not invest till recently, 2013 with Expo. Mm -hmm. So the, actually I do regret it so much that I did not invest in Dubai 2001 and two. And I always say, whoever trusts Dubai Vision will always win. People who lost trust in 2008, they found themselves regretting because Dubai actually after 2008, the market went up. And I say the same thing now. People may think that we have an issue and the market slowing down. No, this is a slow before another boom. It may be a different boom. It may be a more disciplined boom, but definitely this city is meant to be a great global city. So always align your success with their success, your dreams with their dreams, and it will pay off. Look in this region, in the whole Middle East, who's comparable to Dubai? I don't want to even say international. Who has the infrastructure? Who has the laws, regulation, the vision, the leadership, the tolerance, the diversity? Who has this? So this city is meant to be long-term. Speaking of the international cities, there's something, you know, we live here every three, four months, we'd like to have a break, go travel somewhere else, see different sites, but there's something magical, like once you spend five days outside of Dubai, there's something like a magnet, go back, run to Dubai, you know, and it became so weird for me that I seriously, whenever the airport doors open, I feel like, oh, I'm home, I'm safe. You know, and uh, I don't know if it's the same for you, but definitely. You know what? Even I wasn't <laughs> Russell Feynman three weeks ago, and it's only two days. But you know what? I, I really miss Dubai. I was telling my kids, I miss Dubai. I miss. You know, the great thing is that uh, this is design of success. We made millions of people calling this place their home, and home. Not only the physical home, what kind of psychological relation with this place? The love, the stories, the memories, the success. 
So even the moment I get into an airplane traveling, I feel like something from my heart will stick till I come back. So definitely, and we don't see ourselves living in any other place. And I think this is common among so many people that I know. They don't see themselves outside this great country. And yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how much connection we had with this great place. I had the same experience. I spent the weekend in Fujairah. It was my first time. You know, I felt like I want to just shut off, switch my phone off, don't do any business. And I'm telling you, like, within 42 hours, I'm like, I need to come back. Even early check out, I want to come back to the world. Uh, I want to ask you a question that we hear it from lots of people. Like, people, as you said, love Dubai. It's their home. They want to be in here. But most of the people, they're always facing issues about the visas, the residency. Some people keep asking us, like, in any way, how can we be citizens of the country? And we always say, like, tell them, like, you can have the five years visa, the investor visa, the business visa. Do we have any plans in the future or the near future of really making people feel like, yes, you're not like expats, you belong to this country? Although I'm not the right person to answer this question, uh, there is a government entity that deals with uh, such issues. But as you know, Dubai and United Arab Emirates, uh, and if you look at the evolution of residency visas, we were talking about two and three years of visa, especially for people who invest in real estate nowadays. You can get a three years, you can get five years. And also there is uh, the 10 years of, we call it the permanent green uh, residency. So I think uh, we see an evolution and we see uh, progress and making people feeling that this is their home, this is their uh, place. But I'm not really sure if that will be at any point of time citizenship programs. Uh, although, you know, it, this country has been always about the, you know, tolerance and has been always about uh, Inviting people from his highness Sheikh Zayed Allah time, he was saying that this is the country of everyone. They can come, they can stay, they can live. Uh, but I'm not really sure about uh, the dream that you're talking about, uh, and I wish it, it happens, uh, giving people more assurance that this is uh, their place forever. Amazing. Let us talk now about the biggest event happening in this period, which is the Expo 2020. Uh, for lots of the listeners or even the viewers, they have no idea what the Expo is. So can you brief us about it and why it's extremely important, first of all, to win an event like that and what's bringing to the country? Great, uh, Expo 2020 now happening in 2021 because of COVID-19, but this is a great event that happens every four years in one of the cities. It was in Milano last time. It's happening in Dubai, 2021 October till uh, April, which is a six months in duration, where 193 countries are expected to come and share with uh, visitors and exhibit and people who visit their culture, their innovation, their history, their success. So it's a global exhibition for countries, for firms, for cities to come and share their uh, experience, their culture, their success with people. So 
throughout the history, whenever such expo happens, it's always it's always uh, preceded and followed by economic growth. So whenever you look at cities, like for example, they in London. So Hyde Park in London, actually, this is the Expo London, hundreds of years ago, happened there. So it became a legacy project. Uh, in France, at the same time, uh, where you have this uh, Eiffel Tower, this is the place where Expo Paris happened. So it's always a legacy, it's always uh, something that impacts the economy, impacts the social life of countries. So in Dubai, this expo is expected to bring people, millions of visitors to come and see this country, the success of this country, and also invite them to become part of this country. So we're expecting that people who come and visit may choose to, to stay in Dubai, to open up their businesses, to link with Dubai companies. Uh, the hospitality, the logistics sectors are expected to flourish, residential as well, holiday homes. So uh, economy-wise, you're expecting this to also reflect, reflect positively into the economy. It will add also more to branding of Dubai and United Arab Emirates as a global city and a global country. Uh, so this success or this uh, expo will be about uh, sustainability, mobility, and opportunity. So these are the three different themes. So we are advocating for sustainable life, we're advocating for opportunities, advocating for uh, mobility. So uh, we're expecting that after Expo is over, a new phase will start with legacy. This Expo site will be transformed into university, into culture, into uh, hospitality place. It will be also a convention center. It will be a new heart of Dubai. So now we know Dubai Bar Dubai and Dera, it will be also Dubai South. So three different sectors it will add more population. It will be also, uh, as you know, the location close to uh, close to Jabal Ali Port, close to Al Maktoum Airport. It's a great location. And not so, far from Abu Dhabi at all. Far from Abu Dhabi. So we actually count so much on Expo 2020 that it will bring Dubai and the United Arab Emirates to the next level. So we would love to welcome people who are listening to us or not from this country to come and visit Expo 2020 to be great opportunity to, to know people's culture, to connect, make business, get opportunities. It's a great ex exhibition. That's true. Uh, Dr. Mahmoud, I just now want to uh, switch to some technical real estate questions. <laughs> And uh, I hope you can find some answers with you, or you can at least tell us the answers. Uh, nowadays, going back to real estate, we are finding uh, some issues happening in the industry. And uh, one of the main issues is like when we're seeing a new term, which is called the commission kickback. Where we're seeing nowadays that because of COVID or because of some personal issues, the agents are willing to give back almost 90% of their commission just to seal a deal and get fracture of it. And this is not only harming the proper or the ethical real estate agent, but it's also harming the buyers because they are trying to give them this mindset like you will come and start picking any person and whoever gives you the best offer, go with him. What are the plans to tackle this issue? 
Well, that's a good question, and it's a hot topic. And I think, uh, first of all, uh, brokers here in Dubai are licensed and are, you know, regulated by Real Estate Regulatory Agency of Dubai. And I know that uh, RERA is taking action on this. This is unethical behavior, and we would love to see an end to this. And I think this needs uh, the brokerage companies, developers, and RERA to work into a formula where such practices should not be in this market. We, we hear about such uh, unethical behaviors. Uh, we will hear about stealing uh, others' customers, giving them kickback, commission kickback, reducing your commission just to win the deal, or even calling them from behind of the original broker who was starting the point. So uh, RIRA and uh, Dubai, definitely will take a strict action against this, but this should be reported and this should be uh, actually communicated to the regulator. I know they're taking action against few brokers recently when it comes to commission uh, kickback, when it comes to some brokers who are employing uh, freelancers to reduce cost and it's not a, a fair competition. We want this market to have a fair competition. We want brokers to be ethical. Everyone does his job perfect, ethical, professionally, and also to protect uh, buyers and investors. If investors see such bad behaviors in the market, they will not trust this market. And I always say brokers are the ambassadors of this market. If they flick the true uh, picture about Dubai, if they are about long term, they should not do such things. So RERA will take action, definitely, and also we hope from brokers who are influenced or impacted by this, they should report this to the regulator, and there will definitely be actions. We also look at developers are part of this equation. They should be part of forcing this, that they should not allow brokers to take commission uh, kickback. And I have seen some uh, some directions from big developers here in Dubai, actually, uh, threatening to take a strict action against brokers who does so. We've been receiving this circulated emails by saying like uh, it will lead to termination of the contract yes. and you will not be able to deal with us. Uh, the second issue that we're having is the fake listings. It is uh, like, I mean, I don't understand from the portals, first of all, how they're allowing this, you know, like if you want to speak, for example, what's the price of a Ferrari? It's a million dirhams. When I come tell you I have one for 400,000, you will smile, you're like, is that with an agent or no? <laughs> so we're having, now nowadays we're seeing the fake listings are rising a lot and especially when it comes to developer stock. Where, for example, a developer starting price is 1.4 million. You're seeing an agent listing the property for 1 million. I've already gotten my client the 1.4. He prepared everything. He goes, he opens the portals. He, he sees this and is like, what's that? No, you're ripping me off. So I tell the clients immediately, let's call the agent and tell him about this unit. First of all, his answer will be, oh, the sooner that's sold, however, I have a similar one for it, let me meet you. And please do that. And eventually they will call and they will understand it's only for fishing. But uh, I'd like to know, like, also, what's the precaution from Rira to really tackle this issue? 
Well, this is an important issue, and I know that uh, the regulator uh, has met several times with the portals because I think key is the portal. And uh, as you know, each property has a permission number and Tarakisi number. So uh, the portal has to make sure that uh, this Tarakisi number relates to that property, relates this to this broker. So this is part of it. We have to reduce the stuff that's now uh, in the platforms. A lot of this stock is actually repetition, is sold out, and so on. So there is, I think, uh, a committee that deals with uh, fake listing with the uh, borders. And they are meeting, and I, I think there will be a technology solution where such fake listing will be automatically out of the system. If the property is sold out, it has to be taken out from the system. If there is a property that's listed by three people, and it should be maximum three, people saying it should be one, but even, let's say three, we should not have that gap of price, okay? And also, we count on the uh, people's uh, awareness. They should make they should make sure with whom they're dealing. A legal broker that's accredited that has been in the market for long, or someone who just came and he's trying to fish and he's not playing it ethically. So I think people should not be fooled. As you said, Ferrari is one million. Someone gives you 300 and actually some people does that. They go and buy something because of the offer. Buy one property, get the second free. Okay, buy this uh, villa, you get a Ferrari. It doesn't make sense. I always say whenever the offer is too, uh, is, is too, good, to be too true. good to be true, it is. It's a question. You always have to question it. I, I wish, and I, this is what I do, I always look at portals for guidance. I go back and check the system and see the numbers. But I only deal with brokers that I think uh, are uh, ethical, professional, have been in the market for a while, and they know what they're doing, rather than uh, just uh, being fooled. But the critical issue here, Anthony, is the portals. Yes, there is a business interest for them. They want more listing, but this conflict with our interest of regulating the market. So uh, I think if we have the algorithms built within the system that this does not exist, this was sold, this is not the Tarakisi number for this property, this is not Tarakisi number for you as a broker, and also giving people the opportunity and the mechanism. We have RVS system where people can complain. I can complain about this broker. He does one, two, three, four. I hear also of some brokers that some brokers take the photos of another brokers. And so all these things have to stop. We need to make sure that we have MLS system with accurate listing, with accurate pricing to give people confidence on supply in the market, the actual one. Because if you go to Protests, oh, Dubai is so much supply in the market. This has to cut by 50-60% if you do all the cleaning. And second, the transparency, as you said, this is the accurate price, 1.4 million. It may go at the last minute, I mean, whenever it's sold, maybe 1.5. So there should be a gap between transaction price and listing, mm -hmm. but not so much gap. One more question yes. about real estate and something else. How about the service charges? Uh, in my own experience, I'm dealing with big investors. What I'm seeing is turning them off on the property, which is, for example, buying penthouses or buying units that have big terrace and it's being charged a lot. 
as service charges and when they go through the numbers and they're seeing oh is this unit not gonna make seven eight percent i'm gonna make three or four percent due to service charges the service charges in here comparing to everywhere we can say it's a bit high although it's giving like amazing uh, services the concierge and maintaining the common areas is there any plan to reduce the surface charges, make it, or at least to reduce the surface charges on the big units, making it more interesting for investors to obtain such properties? You know, recently, 2018, we had law number six, which is the new law on owners association. And the good thing about this law is two things, governance-wise, the structure of managing uh, buildings, but also it gave the regulator a lot of power when it comes to approving service charge. So I know that there was a reduction in service charge in so many communities in Dubai last year because the law says that the regulator has to approve service charge. So when the numbers comes to the accountant and auditor area, most of the time they squeeze the management company and they reduce it by 10 and 15%. And there is a plan actually to continue to decrease and squeeze uh, all the extra and necessary costs. The only problem we have, Anthony, is 50 to 55% of this cost actually is utilities, uh, which is the uh, cooling and electricity. And as you know, such uh, market has been always controlled and you don't so much say that and pressuring the entities who provide cooling to reduce and so on. So uh, I know the regulator worked on sustainability programs, energy saving programs to cut 10-15%. But as you correctly said, we believe that reducing service charges is important. And actually, I do recommend that people before buying any property, they should go and check on service charge and do their calculations. I think for an apartment, it should not be about 20 dollars per square foot. And for a village, it should not be about 3.5. That's, that's the case for the builders. It's always yeah. between two townhouses and builders, two yeah. to three townhouses. Yeah. Well, which is nice, but the apartments. There is a pressure, and I'm sure there will be more pressure on the management company. And now, as you know, the law itself gives the owners committee power to approve budget. So, owners committee is now being formed in so many communities. They have to look at the budget and say, we don't want this, or this doesn't make sense, or go tender this again. Although, so we think that with the new governance, with the honest committee being in place, a proven budget, with auditor, outside auditor, an internal auditor and the regulator, there will be so much pressure. The solution, eventually, the sustainable solution is to reduce the cooling price. And we hope that there should be some intervention to pressure the cooling provider to reduce their cost and to reduce their prices. What have you done from Corona? The pandemic uh, on the personal side or on the business side? Personal side, to appreciate what you have. We were in a blessing. Sometimes we don't feel it. We take things for granted. We should not. Uh, your health is important. Invest in your health. Exercise, reduce your weight, strengthen your immune system. Uh, on the real estate side, uh, managing buildings. The real estate market has been always less about technology. You see now technology is really important for the sustainability, competitiveness, and resilience of this industry. So we want to see more investment by real estate brokers and developers into technology. 
how do you do uh, a virtual tour of uh, property, how you sell it from A to Z, even if you are in London, selling a property to someone in Azerbaijan, in Dubai, without even making each other. This should be done, blockchain should be taken to the next level. So technology is not a choice anymore, it's not cosmetic, it's really important to be adopted, and especially for brokers. Uh, there was an article, shall we say, bye-bye to brokers, the technology we will not, but strong broker with good technology, with a professional ethicality, we will always win. So technology, technology, technology. This is the lesson we learned on the business side. Uh, I want to say something about this article. Um, no matter what they do, even if they create robots with the AI and to meet you and to guide you from it to that, the, it's not only the real estate sale, any sale is done is based on an emotional experience. No matter where they are on the planet, if it's not a human interaction, it cannot be emotional. So, regarding the goodbye brokers, nowadays maybe you can go see a property by yourself, put the pin code on the property, open it, have a look, but it's the real estate agent that makes all the deal happen from A to Z. This is a lifestyle, this is your life investment. It's not that you're buying coffee or chocolate, so you will always need an advisor. So I don't think brokers will be obsolete. I agree. Uh, Dr. Mahmoud, uh, let's, let's say fast forward 20 years from now, one of your kids will see this interview on YouTube or hear it on the podcast. What would you like to leave them in message? I wish by that time my kid would be one of uh, real estate developers because this was my dream when I finished from Singapore. I really wanted to be a developer. So I wish that when she, because I have two daughters, and I have daughters, one, thank you, to see that uh, their dad has done so much in making this market transparent, invested in regulation, brought best practices from all the bodies that I represent. But, always brought best practices from the U.S., from Australia, from Singapore, to see this market the most professional, the most ethical. So uh, I would love to see buildings built my, by my son or my daughter. <laughs> Amazing. Well, guys, you've heard that coming from Gaza, 18 years old, to building this amazing legacy. We are all so proud of your success. We wish you more success. Your success is our success. Dr. Mahmoud, thank you so much for being on this episode. Feel free to watch it on YouTube, listen to it on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much and see you in the next one.